Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. This is Srijan, and you're listening to the Social Impact Stories. And in the last two episodes, you have been listening to Millennium Fellows from different countries who are young impact entrepreneurs doing amazing jobs. And in both of those episodes, we're more of a one-to-one conversations. So to mix things up a little bit more, today I have a special co-host joining me, Ikram. So, hey guys, this is Ikram, and as Srijan was saying, you are now listening to the Social Impact Stories, a podcast where you listen to inspiring stories of young leaders around the world. And today with us, we have the CEO of Young India Foundation, Rishika Arora. So, um, Rishika, can you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Hi, everyone. Uh, so, as Ikram just said, my name is Rishika. I am a 19-year-old second-year student at Ashoka University, which is in Sonipat in India, and I'm currently pursuing a double major in political science and literature. And um, outside of college, my life is dedicated to this organization, Young India Foundation, which I'm really excited to sort of talk about, uh, which is a political action committee that works to bridge the gap between young people and Indian politics. Um, And outside of both of these things, I like to play the guitar, uh, design my own tattoos, and read lots of books, which I haven't been doing in a while. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's me. You are a very interesting person, actually. Like, you have been mentioning... A very uh, multi-talented person, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, she has six... Oh, six of them are designed by you, and you have ten tattoos. That's... So cool, a CEO with that is <laughs> I would love the mission one day. <laughs> I really love the thing. And the, so the main conversation point would be today is the Young India Foundation, which, as I understand, empowers young candidates and tries to bring them into the mainstream politics and helps them in many different ways. That's a lovely concept. And I believe that is really very important for countries like like ours, yours, mm-hmm. and, and, and this subcontinent mainly, because we feel mm-hmm. that youth are not being that much represented in mm-hmm. the mainstream policy and decision-making policies. So I really love what you guys are doing. So I want to hear more about how you became more passionate about it and why exactly this foundation got started or how, I mean, the house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the origin story, once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, so there's two stories I can tell here. One is about how Young India Foundation began and the other is about how I joined it because I wasn't actually part of the conception. Um, Young India Foundation was founded by Sudhanshu Kaushik, who, you know, he he studied in sort of, he's, he's Indian, but he was born in the US. He studied there um, and he came back to India to sort of do some research for his PhD, you know, focused around grassroots politics and young people. And he was at a village just talking to people about politics and someone just comes up to him and says, um, okay, you know, you're, you're preaching to us about politics. You're telling us about how it's important to participate. Why don't you help us? Like, why should I sit here? Why don't you help me campaign? I want to, you know, campaign at the local level. So, so that was kind of like a wake up call for Sudhanshu because we're so used to 
throwing around two terms, which is politics and that is like youth, right? We just, we say political participation, great, young people, great. But like, what does that mean? What What is happening? You know, uh, what's the sort of grassroots reality of young people's political participation? So this began in 2017. Uh, I joined uh, a year later towards the end of 2018. And the reason I joined is because um, I think that was the point in school where I had to start seriously thinking about what I want to do with my career, what I wanted, you know, dedicate my life to. And I was very sure that I wanted to become an astronaut. I was really, really into astronomy. <laughs> but I just had this one political science class which at the time was called civics as a subject in school and I just fell in love with the fact that so many things we talk about in abstract terms such as democracy or the parliamentary process or um, active voters they mean real things that can be written about that can be analyzed it's a science of its own um, but what I found was when I looked at the news and I tried to, you know, digest political information or when I went to the internet, everyone is so old. And, you know, being old is great because you come to politics with so much experience under your belt. But there are concerns of mine that I just don't see being talked about in the parliament. Uh, concerns related to education, concerns related to employment, concerns related to, you know, uh, barriers to digital access. All of these are things that are very, very grounded in the present. And they're simply not being talked about. And if they are being talked about, there's this great sense of distance from what is actually happening in the real world versus what's being, you know, talked about in political discourse. Um, and it just so happened through like serendipity, you know, I used to sort of participate in competitions. So I had some friends and I met one person who made me meet another person and so on and so forth. And ultimately I landed at Young India Foundation's uh, first event of 2019. It was a boot camp in Delhi, which was focused on training prospective candidates, how to contest elections. And I just went there as a volunteer. I was supposed to help with very, very basic things. But when I actually met the people who came there and I heard them talk about why they want to contest, and these were a diverse group of people. There were entrepreneurs, there were people healing from tribal communities, there were students. All of them had a very strong conviction of what they can bring to India's political world, what they see isn't happening and what they want to do. And I think that was sort of my own wake up call. I realized that people who want to contest politics are these real grounded individuals who come from these vibrant communities and they don't have a platform. So I want, I knew that what I wanted to do is work to give them that platform. So now it's been about three, three years uh, since I've been involved with Young India Foundation. And yeah, now here I am, started as a volunteer, went to the research and community executive position, and now I'm the CEO. So yeah. This is great. I absolutely agree with you, especially the education sector, I think, is a sector that directly affects us, uh, the young generation, but we are not even included in the conversation at all, which is really disappointing. So uh, I would like to ask you, uh, what steps are you taking to remove this age barrier that is present in the political system today? Mm -hmm. So our work is focused on three main domains when it comes to like our involvement with politics. So the first is electoral campaigning, second is research, and third is outreach. Um, so what we do, our sort of work is spread across all of these different approaches. Electoral uh, candidacy is like the axis of our work. Our main job is to find young people at the grassroots level. So in India, you know, you have like a three-tier government. So there's the national government, then there's state level 
level governments and then at the village and cities we have panchayats which are in villages and we have municipal corporations in cities so uh, the axis of our work is helping young candidates contest elections at the local level so in panchayats and municipal corporations um, usually we have active teams on the ground who scout candidates or candidates approach us if they've heard of our work and we help them from start to finish free of cost to contest elections so after running you know background checks making sure there's no criminal history and all of that we work with the candidate to get them into political office that means we help them write their manifesto we help them go door to door to talk to their constituents and understand the concerns that you know need to be addressed we help them campaign we spread posters pamphlets um we promote them on social media if that's needed all the way to the end of like the day the votes are counted and even after that regardless of whether they win or lose luckily we've had a lot of wins uh they uh stay you know we help them throughout while they're in office we make sure that their politics is progressive it's youth oriented and most importantly it addresses the needs of their constituents um so and all the candidates we work with are under the age of 30 because that's sort of our youth bracket which is our main area of involvement so that electoral participation and the thing about electoral participation is that it's filled with so many bureaucratic hurdles there's a nomination form you need to fill if you want to run as a candidate but even if you miss like a full stop they reject it so lots of work goes into that revolving around this access are our research teams so we have a yf think tank which generates uh, youth oriented political research how do young voters you know what do they consider when they're voting or in our most recent national elections which happened in 2019 how many young people actually got into office what were they standing for or do young people actually value their vote or do they think about other means to channel their political aspirations so we have research ranging on these themes we have information databases so we have an election tracker which lists the dates of all upcoming elections in india from the local to the national level and along with that we supply unbiased information so voters can make an informed decision so we that's our research side outreach is basically the work we do on the ground which sadly was stifled due to the pandemic but we go to workshop we do workshops at schools we host right now we're planning this nationwide tour to sort of bring attention to young voters um you know we host webinars events talk to local officials um so essentially what we want to do is to make sure that existing parties and political structures in india reform themselves such that more young people are allowed to participate and secondly the political discourse and the political structure at large is more welcoming of young people and their voices so yeah that's a lot of things actually <laughs> <laughs> i mean wow and so it must take a lot of time and effort and at the same time is it all volunteer work or do you have a because you mentioned in your website it's a non-profit organization mm -hmm. but it must need money to at least sustain i mean you need a support because you can't mm -hmm. always keep on doing all those things alone so how are yeah. you doing it so uh the need for uh finances particularly comes in when we want to conduct offline engagements so for our upcoming tour we need you know things like venues and we want to make sure everyone who's working with us is paid a stipend and all of that so that comes through fundraising you know we reach out to um corporate social responsibility wings for example or we reach out to you know willing philanthropists or even 
Uh, so any organization that can fund us or we can partner with them, that's one source of funding. Second is for our campaigns, electoral campaigns, we obviously need uh, money. Uh, the thing about YF is that most of it does go out of our own pocket simply because we're dedicated to the cause, but we also do get individual donations um, from, you know, uh, willing supporters, which is really sort of the, you know, what really keeps us going, I think. Um, individual donations at the grassroots level, that really helps. That being said, YF is an entirely volunteer-based organization. We're lucky enough to have people who believe in the cause as strongly as we do. So they, you know, hop on this sort of journey with us and really put in their time and effort to work with us. Um, and the reason we can do so much is because our incredible team is active in so many different parts of India. Um, but we are in the process of, you know, uh, negotiating how we can make it possible that the people who do put an effort into this organization can be adequately compensated. So I would say that's a process. And I think something we, you know, were talking about is that as young people navigating an organization, it's hard to uh, like make other people take you seriously, which is exactly the problem we're trying to solve. But we hope that our work and experience gives us enough credibility to show that we are deserving of like financial support or any form of support, especially the people who put in their work voluntarily to help other young people uh, break sort of political barriers. That is great, actually. Uh, so uh, what is your uh, candidate selection process? Uh, so let's say uh, someone wants to join uh, wants to participate in electoral uh, democracy, but are not very politically aware or don't know the procedure. How is uh, Young India Foundation helping those people? So uh, luckily, we've had enough of like a ground presence such that people who are willing to contest approach us or we are able to approach them. And the candidate selection process is very, very simple. Our minimal requirements are like there's three main things. First is that they're under the age of 30 because we want to support young candidates or, you know, around that age range. Second is there is no criminal history. They weren't involved in any sort of, you know, something that can be controversial or scandalous or immoral. And the third is that they generally champion progressive values. So we are a non-partisan organization. What just so happens in India is that at the local level, you can't really run on a party ticket. So all the candidates we have supported have been independent candidates, not affiliated with either right-wing or left-wing parties. Um, but we do want them to generally, you know, be someone who cares about their constituency's needs and is going into uh, office because they believe that there's serious change that they need to make. So these are sort of our broad um, requirements. And eventually, before we sort of take a candidate on board, we have very lengthy conversations about how we can help them, what they already have, and what they would like us to sort of the resources they'd like us to provide. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very consultative two-way process where we really think that the candidate and YF exist on an equal footing where they teach us as much as we can teach them. Wow. Has it ever been like this case, like both candidates, two candidates wants to participate in this election and they're in opposition? <laughs> <laughs> so how do you decide whom to give the platform or help or do you help both of them? Uh, at my time in YF, that hasn't happened. I think, <laughs> and it, I mean, that's a good that's a good thought experiment. I think that's something we should have a contingency plan for. But usually, when it comes to one election, we only support one candidate because of like limitations on our resources and also to avoid any political conflict. Uh, if you know, 
there's an independent candidate, we're going to give you our all. You have our undivided attention. Uh, no one else can steal that from us. So yeah. Sometimes this might happen. Like as we are very underrepresented, as we, I mean youth. <laughs> so as we are very underrepresented, sometimes like I might have very good ideas to serve as the holder of the office, I have very amazing strategies, maybe, and all those stuff. But I had, I didn't have that much community involvement, so people don't mm -hmm. know me that well. <clears throat> but I want to do things, and mm -hmm. so for that, how do you do things? Because most of them in your website, even you wrote that are from twenty one to twenty five. So that's like undergrad students. So they are yeah. maintaining their academic studies and maybe doing some charity works and community involvement are there, but not in a mass way. But running for an office where against someone who has been maybe into the mainstream politics for a very long time, everyone mm -hmm. knows him, maybe corrupted, maybe good anything can happen but they know yeah. that and in his opposition i'm a nobody so <clears throat> but i have amazing plans <laughs> but so how do you like mentor them or guide them mm -hmm. i think uh, that's the advantage that comes with working at such a local grassroots level where our goal isn't to impress the whole nation with one person it's to impress maybe one village or maybe a particular like very specific district in the mm -hmm. larger you know uh, region so I think uh, one something that I've said in you know previous workshops is that your campaign does not start when you know the election commission declares it's time to campaign. Your campaign starts the moment you're sitting at home. Uh, if because what makes I guess what our politics is, if any, is that it's very human oriented. It's very community oriented. You don't go into politics for you know it's not opportunistic. It's not to sort of I mean, sure, many people think that starting at the local level is sort of a ladder, you know, like it's a stepping stone to get to the next level at the state or national. And we support that. We want younger people all the way up in like our parliament. But the thing about local level politics is that if you are participating, you're participating with a conviction that you are here to represent everyone in your neighborhood and everyone in your community. Um, so if there is someone who isn't that well known in the community, what we do is we make it a mission to make sure that by the time proper election time, like the period starts, people know your face and they associate a name with your face and then they associate certain ideas with your face. We really, really encourage door to door campaigning. In fact, our candidates themselves, you know, sort of uh, 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 propose that they want to go door to door because you just had people who are very willing to uplift their own communities. So we encourage that we help, we make sure that their ideas that they have for their constituency are very easily accessible and condensed in such a way that everyone in their constituency can understand them. So, you know, we get local translators who can make sure that what they are communicating goes through to the people. Um, we make sure that they visit schools, uh, local schools, local hospitals, everyone's houses, not even to ask for a vote, just to tell them what their ideas are. And people at the local level are smart enough and connected with their local politics well enough to know that, yes, this is a person who has serious ideas and is seriously capable of implementing them. Um, so, you know, as long as you do have a good strategy and good ideas in mind, as long as you can show these people that the current status quo isn't working out well, but you going in will, um, I think you've, you know, done more than half of the job. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Um... From, I think uh, Young India Foundation uh, 
organizes candidate candidate boot camps for this reason, right? From yes. from time to time. Can you uh, elaborate, please, uh, on why you uh, what is the purpose of these candidate boot camps, basically? Yeah, sure. So India is colloquially known as like the world's largest democracy, right? Everyone's celebrating and all that. But if you went on to Google, like in India and said, how do I contest an election? You're not going to find anything because no. especially as a young person, see, if you're an old person or you come from a well-connected political family or you have lots of administrative or capital resources, then it's easy. You know the right people. But if you're an outsider in politics, getting in is like trying to climb the Great Wall of China. It is impossible. Um, the barriers are crazy. So uh, we said, you know, if it's the world's largest democracy, why aren't gates open to its, you know, young population to participate? And the candidate bootcamp is supposed to solve that. India has a very robust administrative structure when it comes to politics, but it's not very youth oriented. Um, so, you know, because young people's political participation is seen as a social issue, not a political issue. They say, yes, young people are empowered. They go on the streets to protest or, you know, they have like a willingness to participate as voters. There's no focus on their contestation. So the boot camp is essentially supposed to be this two-day workshop plus manual plus guide if you are someone who sees themselves contesting an election or volunteering as a campaign manager or anything we want this boot camp to give you the a to z of how that works so our boot camps usually cover topics such as how do you nominate yourself as a candidate what makes a good manifesto how do you raise funds for your campaign what are the le legal you know like concerns that affect you as a candidate can are there certain things you can't do are there certain and things you can do how do you make sure your campaign is transparent you know when it comes to declaring your funds or your criminal history um and we always like yf never does these boot camps alone we always always invite journalists other organizations other individuals in civic engagement so for example, we might have someone who contested elections at a panchayat, at a local level village government, and ask them to talk about their experience. We might have journalists writing about politics to tell us about what makes a good candidate. We might have someone from a legal organization, there's one called Nyae, uh, that talks to us about the laws that govern campaigning at the grassroots level. So all of these sort of, uh, you know, organizations, we partner with them and we work with them to tell people, which by the way, boot camps are completely free of cost. They People register, but they don't have to pay once they're selected. And we just coach them on how to run as, you know, any, any political candidate or how to help sustain a any election or any campaign. So that is sort of what our boot camps do. We did them when we were offline. Once we went online, we did them once. And now we're just hoping that this year is different and we can go back to doing them offline in places across India. So, yeah. Amazing. I mean, I'm so amazed by what you are doing. <laughs> and like this question has been going around my head a lot. It's not re really related to Young India Foundation, rather more a personal one. that you are doing double major and <laughs> double the pressure that we are handling and we barely get time for anything else and how you were managing time mm -hmm. doing your academics and maintaining all these things as a ceo um so i think there's two answers to that the first is i am incredibly blessed to have a very 
uh, active support system in the shape of like my family, my friends, but even my college and Young India Foundation itself. So everyone who I surround myself is extremely, extremely supportive. And there's so many times where friends who aren't part of Young India Foundation, because they have a certain skill set, such as they know how to design a website, can help me with certain nitty gritty things. And even in general, just emotional support makes a lot of difference, right? I have people telling me, go to sleep, you can't pull an all-nighter again. Um, and that's important. It's it's nice to have, I guess, just surround myself with supportive people. But Young India Foundation is just, it's such an incredible team. I can't emphasize, like sometimes when I work with these people, I'm like, how am I working at the same organization as them? They're so insanely talented. Um, and, you know, the best thing is they're all scattered across the world. A lot of them are people who lived in India, but then went to study abroad. But despite that, we're just connected by this conviction that young people deserve to have a voice in India's political field and uh, it's nothing we do is done by ourselves like we always have a team for all our events all our initiatives um, people give in their time and their efforts and it really helps with sort of distributing work such that no one is burdened and no one is overworked so I think the team I have at YF is just really really amazing and finally even at college I think because I have been a part of YF only during online college it's been relatively more manageable because there are some times where I can just sit in class and simultaneously answer a few emails um, and I hope my professors don't listen to this I promise I pay full attention <laughs> but um, I do think just in general uh, because starting college online I've been I've sort of molded my academic behavior such that I know when to schedule things and I know how to manage time so that's like one answer just having a good support system the second answer is I do consider myself a relatively organized person I have you know like you know it's simple things like I have a proper calendar or have like a working to-do list and planner and all of that and you know man try to manage my sleep don't spend time binging Netflix shows no matter how good they are things like that it took a lot of time to get here it's not something that comes easy but I think uh, I've just managed to learn some discipline I guess and you see the rewards of it because after, you know like uh, binging a Netflix show while you're stressed about things versus binging a Netflix show once you've completed everything on your to-do list are two very different feelings so um, but that's the thing I think as young people we already have so much on our plate right whether it's academics whether it's supporting your family and whatnot um, political participation shouldn't be a burden it should be a natural activity you do as a citizen and I think that's what YF also wants to do it wants to show you that politics is a natural part of your life it's not something you spend extra time towards it's just something you live in and breathe so yeah uh, that was really imp uh, inspiring to hear <laughs> <laughs> so um from my understanding, uh, YIF currently primarily focuses on local and regional positions, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when do you think uh, you can start targeting national positions? What, you, what is your best case scenarios? Uh, best case scenario tomorrow, <laughs> a very practical case scenario is probably, I think it's a long drawn effort that's going to take two or three years, maybe even more. But I think about the national level, 
more than simply contesting elections for candidates at the national level, because if you're an independent candidate contesting national level elections, that is a very, very big feat. So what we want to do instead is make national level politics generally accessible for young people through other means. So one of our biggest campaigns called Y25 is simply this campaign to connect with local officials and also file petitions in court and you know introduce private member bills in parliament asking uh, why is the age of contesting an election in India 25? Um, if you can vote at 18, local level elections you can contest at 21, but national level elections for some reason you have to be 25. It just so happens that in India, uh, almost 64% of the population is below the age of 30, but in the parliament less than 1% of the population of the parliament is of the same age bracket. And that's a ridiculous gap. So I think one of the ways to sort of alter that gap is lowering the age of candidacy, um, bringing it down to 21, the same as local level elections. Uh, there's other means that we want to interact with national level politics, for example, um, through education, the way we're taught about politics is very technical and very practical and unless you pursue politics in like your final two years of school, it's taught to you in a very sort of sanitized way right it's not it's not shown as something you can participate in. It's like this other world that you stay away from because it's corrupt and it's dirty, which even if it is, staying away from it doesn't help. Engaging with it does. So, you know, what would be ideal is that if from the national level, our curriculum inculcated more political values into young people and showed them that politics isn't like this alternate dimension you can't go into. It's at your doorstep. It's in your house. So, you know, changing political discourse right from the school level could make a lot of difference. So I think we're taking like baby steps towards uh, influencing national discourse. Um, so, yeah. I was going to ask about this, actually. You kind of answered it. Like, I was thinking, I mean, um, in 1971, when our liberation war was going on, you might know, like, we had mm -hmm. to fight together freedom from Pakistan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was an interesting thing, apart from the war itself, was that the movement that was started was by the students, the young people who were the main catalyst of the war itself. The war started through those movements and all those movements were from universities, not from any political party, from any political officer, not, nothing like that. Those were simply just because those youth cared about their country, the politics and more. But somehow this trend kind of got got fade away i'm not sure mm -hmm. if it's same in india but here it's like the politics is not for bright students bright mm. students studies does their masters their phd you do a work but that shouldn't be the case rather the brightest minds of the country should be in those seats making mm -hmm. those policies for the people but this thing kind of got really very, I mean, got a very weird shape. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you were saying about it, like you are trying to make it more accessible, like so that people don't think it's not a place you go, rather it is the place for mm -hmm. you to go. I really yeah. like the thing that you were doing here. Yeah. Another question. Mm -hmm. Ever thought of running for the top office of India? <laughs> <laughs> um. God, I wish I had an answer for that because I am asked that question quite a lot. Um, 
serious answer uh long term yes i do want to engage with politics as a representative you know even if it's at like the most local level i do want to be involved in political participation as a representative not just as a voter but i do think that's something that will come later because i want to spend as much time as i can like what's my sort of ideal plan is uh, studying because i love academia but after that working on research and assisting other campaigns with more experience so right now when i do work with campaigns at the local level it's just it's my favorite thing to do and i want to continue doing that i want to support people running for you know political office at the local level at the state level maybe even at the national level it's something i've only like had a surface level experience of when i worked with uh, a person who like an ex minister of parliament member of parliament um and you know that was the closest i got to that experience but um uh, i do want to spend more time working sort of from the outside or from the backstage eventually contesting elections hopefully by the time i want to contest elections a the age of candidacy allows me to and b the world is generally more uh, accepting of political representatives who are a women but we also have tattoos and probably colored hair <laughs> um but i do think we're working towards that i mean uh, the youngest president in the world just got elected in uh, chile right so it's pretty cool cuz he's he uh he you know uh, rules the country by day and at night he supports taylor swift on twitter i think that's a cool cool dynamic to have and uh, hopefully india reaches that point where we are just generally less dismissive of young people's aspirations and goals but by by the time that happens i would like to work sort of in the background <laughs> for as long as i can <laughs> Trust yeah. me, if you run for the candidacy, we would be rooting from you all over. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we can want to boast about that. We, we interviewed the top of the office. Not a national campaign. If you run for it, it would be an international campaign. Yeah, I just uh, I do want to shape or you know contribute to democracy in any way I can. Running for political office is one of those things, but. there are also other avenues that i hope i can participate in but that is the sort of the ultimate goal what about you guys do you ever think of engaging like like how do you engage with politics on your terms okay that's a good question i am politically <laughs> aware that i'm but mm-hmm. i'm not politically active <laughs> so okay that's fair. that's my answer but yeah i mean everyone loves to have a fantasy right so yeah it, And so in my fantasy yeah, i would really love to be someone who is in the room when making those national policies mm. maybe not it's not necessarily have to be as the prime minister but mm-hmm. at least being there at least being a catalyst of decisions that mm. i think can be a powerful thing for me and by mm. me, i just don't mean just me anyone who is studying right now and Yeah, that would be kind. Of, this gave me a great, great idea. Like th- that would be kind of cool thing. The undergrad students who are not yet graduated, maybe not eligible for candidacy, they should still have some sort of a representative role while making because mm. they should be consulted. Like when education minister is taking 
a decision for the education of the young people why don't we are being consulted because you're taking a decision like, for us you but, said like you want to be a catalyst for these decisions in the same room shouldn't that room be opened and shouldn't like as a natural citizen of a democratic country shouldn't you automatically be a catalyst of those decisions i mean true, but it is we, not <laughs> that's, exactly that's exactly what we want to change absolutely um in fact, mm -hmm. I think uh, there's so, sort of a brainwashing going on, as Sridhar mentioned. I was one of those brainwashed youths. My father is a lawyer, so I was exposed to politics from a very young age, but I I swore to myself that I would never participate in this field. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, as I uh, as I be uh, became older, and uh, I think uh, that narrative really shifted. I think I had a paradigm shift, and uh, mm -hmm. especially, I think, uh, uh, seeing the recent ongoings of the political events of our country and uh, yeah. the surrounding world and i think uh, those some of those things could be handled uh, more uh, efficiently if it was uh, conducted by uh, young leaders for especially yeah. the policies that uh, directly affects the young people definitely i think one of my favorite sort of quotes is that politics brings out the worst in people but politics also brings out the best in people and uh, i think um, you know, what you said, I I even if it's either young people leading or someone with experience leading, but consulting young people, making them a part of the conversation, it just makes a great deal of a difference. So, yeah. Hmm. That's true. And I mean, I really love, I especially love the answer that you gave when we asked if you were planning for running for <laughs> office, because that was a so well thought answer. Like to learn more work. It almost—it's almost like you—you uh, you planned it. <laughs> no, but I really love. I mean, what I love about it is not exactly the answer, rather the thinking that goes behind it that describes who you truly are, and that's really awesome. And I would love to see more people like you being ha having this thoughts and leading the people to represent and i That's really wish really something like that is going to happen soon and a lot of people would be inspired from what you were doing you are in your second year of undergrad studies right so <laughs> that's just the start we are in our senior year so we have just one yeah. more year to go and we did nothing <laughs> 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 that's so inspiring so any last advice for the people who is listening that you would like to share yeah. I think uh, I would say, like, regardless of where you are in the world, politics often feels very intimidating, right? It's like, uh, it's like the adult table where the kids don't sit. Um, but I think politics just pervades everyday life in so many, so many small ways. Um, you know, something that you mentioned that I think Bangladesh and India might differ on is that in India, the student politics scene is very, very active. Students are either always on the streets whenever there is any legislation, there's great support from young people to either, you know, advocate against it or support people advocating against it. But even in India's public universities, uh, especially in our capital, Delhi, um, student politics is a very, very engaged field. Um, but you ask anyone and they often say it's a dirty field it's corrupt you know only only those people go in in there who have like either capital backing or administrative support and it's true but the way to change that isn't by distancing yourself more it's by engaging with it in any way you can i think what i'll tell you is something any person who engages with politics will tell you is that 
consume information in a way that is healthy. Don't doom scroll on Twitter as tempting as that is, but look at resources that are fact-checked, that are unbiased and make decisions based on your principles. Um, I think there is just so much more to politics than which party you support. It comes down to the kind of world you want to see, the kind of place you want your identity to inhabit in the world. Simply by virtue of being a woman in India, I am involved in politics. I don't even have to do anything. So I think it's just politics is as much of a reflective internal process as much as it is one of looking out and shaping change. So I guess what I would tell people is that uh, politics is not an alien planet. It's right at your home and you can, you know, uh, immerse yourself into it anytime. Just do so in a way that is healthy and sustainable and based on community more than individualism. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome really love talking to you in this episode and thank you so much for coming here and giving your time madam ceo <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me uh, i just it's it just, was it's... really inspiring uh, to hear you talk and i think uh, our audiences will really uh, find it inspiring to listen to you that's that's the nicest thing just the fact that as young people, you are platforming other young people, getting them to talk about the ways they make change, no matter how big or small, is just, is exactly the kind of work we want to support and encourage. So it's just, I'm just really happy to see this synergy and um, this podcast itself. It's a wonderful idea and I can't wait to listen to future episodes. Awesome. So thank you very much. And those who are listening to the podcast, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs>